are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see my see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. And don't forget to follow me on social media. On Twitter, I'm at CreatorThomas24. That's my personal handle. For the Diamondbacks podcast handle, it's at LockedOnDiamondbacks on Twitter and Instagram. So go give me a follow. You know, send me some tweets. Send me some DMs and just interact with me on social media. Now, for today's pod, I want to talk about a few things. I want to talk about potential trade that I think the Dimebacks could make. I want to talk about who MLB trade rumors think the Dimebacks are going to get in free agency. And then I want to break down the MVP finalists and who I think should win the MVP. But first, today's episode is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. And I want to first talk about the potential trade target that the D-backs could make. And this is a guy who I think is going to be on the trade market this upcoming offseason. I think this is a guy who, you know, a lot of teams could be coveting because I do think he's still pretty young. He's only going to, he, he's only about 30 years old and he's still a stud offensively. This guy is Chris Bryant. Now, the problem with getting Chris Bryant is there's not really a clear need for him on the rosters. There's not really a clear spot for him to go. Chris Bryant's primarily a third base. He could play the corner outfield spots, but the D-backs already have those position, positions filled. Now, the thing is, Chris Bryant's not a free agent. He has one more year under his contract, about $18, $19 million, somewhere around that, just around that. And we know the D-backs are a team that doesn't like to spend money. We know they're a low payroll team. We know they're a team that's a little cheap. They're kind of like the Oakland A's, trying to do a little money ball, trying to use their analytics to find good players that they don't have to spend a lot of money on. But I'm just a believer in sports across. uh, I'm a believer in this philosophy across any sport. You need stars to win games. Basketball, you need superstars. Football, you need that star quarterback or you need some star uh, skill position players in the trenches or in your secondary. And then in baseball, I do think you need star pitchers or some star players in the middle of your lineup. I mean, look at the Dodgers. They were star studded. Look at most teams who won the World Series. They had at least a couple of stars on their roster. You don't see many teams winning World Series without at least a couple of Hall of Famers on their roster. And right now, the D-backs, if you looked at their roster, who's their superstar? Who's 
who's their future Hall of Famer? Ketel Marte, that's probably about it. Madison Bumgarner is probably future Hall of Famer, but he doesn't play like one anymore. So the D-backs could definitely use some star power. And I don't think Chris Bryant's probably a future Hall of Famer, but he's still only 29 years old. He struggled uh, this season in the shortened season uh, in 2020. He only batted 206, OBP below 300, 644 OPS, only four home runs. It was a pretty bad season for Chris Bryant, but... I'm going to just chalk it up to the COVID year. This guy's been so good throughout the majority of his career. I mean, just in 2019, he was an all-star, 282 average, a very good OBP at 382, 903 OPS. He had 31 bombs, 77 ribbies. So I think the D-backs, they could afford him if they want to, if they want to spend the money. I think the best option would be to get Eduardo Espar in a deal for Chris Bryant. Maybe the the Cubs don't want Eduardo Escobar, but he's a lot cheaper option than Chris Bryant. And then I think the D-backs are throwing a prospect or two as well. Who knows? The D-backs have so many outfield prospects, maybe a Christian Robinson, maybe Alec Thomas. You know, those are some of their higher-end prospects. The D-backs probably won't give up a guy like that, but maybe a guy like Seth Beer, you know, who could play first base, who's been a prospect for this D-backs organization for a couple years now. Nice Zach Greinke trade. Maybe another guy. Maybe there's another corner infield uh, corner infield prospect that the Cubs like. So I do think there could be a deal made as Escobar and a prospect for Chris Bryant. I think that could get the deal done. Uh, I know Chris Bryant's a stud, but it seems like the, the Cubs really are in on trading him. And for as good as Chris Bryant is, he's not Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts didn't get a crazy return. He, the, the Red Sox got back Alex Verdugo, a nice starting outfielder for them, and they got back uh, Jeter Downs. I believe that was the only two. They might have got one more uh, prospect back, but they didn't get a major haul. So I think if the D-backs could do something like that, Escobar could be, he's not young like a Verdugo, but at least he's an established option who, he's coming off a, a down season, but so is Chris Bryant. So they both could be prime for bounce back seasons after coming off really good 2019 seasons. And then if you throw in another couple of prospects, maybe like your 15th best prospect and your eighth best prospect in the deal. I think that could be very enticing for the Cubs. I think they're looking to retool just a little bit. I think they want to clean up their payroll. I think their payroll is kind of high. I think they want to lower that just a tad. They already declined the option of John Lester. And it looks like Theo Epstein might be retooling that clubhouse just a little bit. So I think the D-back should be all in on Chris Bryant. Yes, they already have a third baseman, Eduardo Espar, but Chris Bryant is a guy who his star power, what he can do for you offensively, and he's just as good of a defender as Eduardo Espar. So I think he would be a lot better option in the middle of the lineup for the D-backs team. Now, on the same kind of note, I want to talk about who MLB Trade Rumors has the D-backs signing because MLB Trade Rumors did prediction for the top 50 free agents. and only The D-backs only landed one of these top 50 guys, which is a little disappointing. But nonetheless, uh, let's take a look at the one guy that the MLB Trade Rumors had the D-backs signing this offseason. And that is Cesar Hernandez. So let's actually read the little blurb MLB Trade Rumors has. 
30-year-old Hernandez became the Phillies' regular second baseman in July of 2015, replacing Chase Utley. Hernandez proved a durable, solid replacement, ranking 7th among second basemen in 2016-2017 with a 6.4 war. Hernandez Hernandez's bat slipped below league average in 2018-2019, but he kept his job and played in all but two games during that period. Due a raise on his $7.75 million salary, the Phillies chose to non-tender Hernandez after the 2019 season. The Indians scooped him up for $6.25 million and rewarded him with a and he rewarded them with a 108 WRC plus and 261 play appearances. Hernandez's second base defense also graded well, giving him a 1.9 war season that ranked fifth among all free agents. He has a high contact rate whose walk rate has dropped a bit in the last two seasons, but he's still able to get on base by hitting around 280. And defensively, he's strictly a second baseman. So, Cesar Hernandez seems like a solid option from these numbers. They're saying he's a contact hitter who walks at a decent rate, just a decent enough, around 350. He's a career 352 hitter. He's a career 352 OBP guy, career 277 hitter. And he's also a guy, if you look at his numbers in 2018 and 2019, he batted 15 home runs. And he was also stealing you around 15 to 19 stolen bases from 2015 to 2018. Now in 2019, that dipped to nine stolen bases, so maybe he lost some speed. And he does seem like an intriguing option at second base. Maybe the D-backs move Ketel Marte then to center field. But if we're going to go out there and sign a second baseman, I want to be a guy like DJ LeMayu. I don't want an average second baseman. I don't want a solid second baseman. I want a stud. And Cesar Hernandez is not that stud. He's not enough of a stud for me to move Ketel Marte to center field. I'd much rather keep Ketel Marte at second base, a position that typically doesn't see too much star power there, at least recently. I don't think there's too much star power at second base. I mean, entering the season, the best second baseman was probably Ketel Marte, DJ LeMayu, Jose Altuve, and that's a big drop-off after that, I think, so... For me, Cesar Hernandez, you know, he's a nice player. I think he's a guy who could be around 15, 15, you know, 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Nice contact guy. He's not going to kill you. He, he's going to hit for a solid average. He's going to get you your singles. He, he actually led in doubles this season, led the American League in doubles. So he's got some gap power too. But in terms of what I think the D-backs need, I think they could do uh, a lot better than Cesar Hernandez, even though he's a pretty good option. Now I'll tell you who should win the MVP award in both the American League and National League. But first... All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to it and let's break down those MVP finalists and let's start first with the National League. So we got the three MVP finalists for the National League were Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Manny Machado. Three very good options, of course. You can't really go wrong with those three. Those guys were were studs this season, but if you look at their numbers, where let me pull them up real quick. Mookie Betts, 
I thought he had a good season, but I didn't think it was a Mookie Betts kind of season. I didn't think it was a phenomenal season. Now, even though it wasn't the best season, you know, compared to Mookie Betts standards, it was still an all, uh, you know, a all star level, Hall of Fame level season for pretty much any other player. He batted 292, 366 OBP, 562 slugging, good enough for 927 OPS, 16 bombs, 10 stolen bases. I mean, the guy is really phenomenal, and I can't really hate the Dodgers. We're one of the best teams in baseball and because I care about record when it comes to MVP awards and we should we care about it in every other sport where we look at MVP we look at how good the team is for some reason baseball that doesn't matter Mike Trout could be on the worst team in baseball every season and win the MVP award but thankfully he's not an MVP finalist this season but I digress. So the Dodgers finish with a record of 43 and 17, by far the best in baseball. Mookie Betts was the best player on the best team. And a lot of times those guys win MVPs, but I don't think, uh, even though even though Betts was the best player on the best team, I don't think he was the best player in the National League, and I don't think he was MVP this season, even though I did a pod uh, just last week, I think, on how Mookie Betts was undisputed best player in baseball. He... He just because you're the best player in baseball, that doesn't make you the MVP, and we've seen it time and time again. LeBron's been the best player in basketball for a long time. Michael Jordan was the best player in basketball in a long time, and you don't win the MVP award every season. So I think Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball, but he wasn't the MVP this season. So that moves me to Freddie Freeman and Manny Machado. And let's first start with Manny Machado because, of course, the Padres, he was a big reason why they were good this year. Manny Machado got the Padres to a record of 37-23. and 23. They actually had the second-best record in the National League. But the thing is with Manny Machado, I actually don't think he was the best player on his team. I really do think the MVP of that team was Fernando Tatis. Now, if you look at the numbers, the numbers might tell you Machado, but it's super close. And really, I think I'm going Tatis because I think the intangibles and I don't think you could put that away I, I think Tatis brought an energy he was a culture setter for the Padres team it, it was something that they've been missing for a long time they didn't have that fire spark that that fire starter like a Fernando Tatis who could just encapsulate you with his emotions and Tatis I think was just such a stud this season I mean if you look at his numbers compared side by side to Manny Machado Tatis had more home runs now I think Manny Machado had a better batting average I mean 304 compared to 277 is a lot better but OBP pretty much the same OPS uh Manny Machado just slightly took that one if you look at RBIs Machado had 47 compared to just uh, 45 for Tatis, so they were both right there. 11 stolen bases for Tatis compared to 6 for Machado. So they were both, most of their numbers were right there. Both are playing elite defense, and you, it's really hard to tell. If you look at war, Machado had a war of 2.8, uh, and Tatis had a war of 2.5, so the war would tell you Machado was slightly better as well, but I think it was just way too close for me to even decide which of these two guys was the MVP of their own team. For So for that reason, it's in like a lot of sports. If you got if you have two MVP candidates on one team, sometimes those two cancel each other out. And that's what I'm going to do right here. I'm going to cancel out Manny Machado with Fernando Tatis because I can't decide if Machado was the MVP of his own team. So if I can't decide if you're the MVP of your own team, I can't call you the MVP of baseball. So Manny Machado, for that reason, I can't give you the MVP award either. So that just leaves one player left. And I this is the guy who I think should win the MVP award. And I think it's not particularly close. 
Machado had a great season. Tatis had a great uh, great season. Mookie Betts had a great season. But this guy, Freddie Freeman, in a 60-game season, Freddie Freeman. I struggle so much to talk sometimes. I'm sorry. I record these pods so early. It's only 941, so I guess that's not that early. But I struggle to talk in the morning when I wake up. But Freddie Freeman had a historical season in only a 60-game sprint. He led the National League in doubles 23, led them in runs scored 51, batted 341, 462 OBP, 640 slugging, 1102 OPS, 53 ribbies. This guy was just outstanding this season, and his defense might not be on the level of a Mookie Betts or a Machado, but he's still a gold glove winner. This guy's been an MVP candidate before. He's finished top six three times, finished uh, eighth another year before that, and I think this is going to be the year he wins MVP. Uh, the Braves were a very good team this year. They finished first in the NL East at 35 wins. They were great all season long, were one of the best run-scoring teams, were actually second to the Dodgers in runs scored, so with Freddie Freeman as the catalyst for that, with the offensive numbers he put up this season, you can't deny Freddie Freeman was the MVP of the National League. Now let's take a look at those American League candidates and let's see who they have. I'm just closing some tabs so I can look at it better. All right, we got Jose Abreu, DJ LeMayu, and Jose Ramirez. And this one was a little bit tougher. Two Jose's going against each other. And I think this race was a little bit closer. The White Sox had a phenomenal season, one of the best in recent uh, you know, history for that franchise. They finished second in the NL Central, which doesn't seem great, but the American League or should I say the American League Central, which doesn't seem great, but they had 35 wins. American League Central would just stack this year. 35 wins uh, would have, you know, been pretty high and pretty much every, they would have still finished in second every division, but 35 wins is still a very good season. And Jose Abreu had a phenomenal season as well. He led the American League in hits. He led the American League in ribbies with 60, 76 hits, 19 home runs, batted 317, 370 OBP, led them in slugging with 617 and had a 987 OPS. The man was phenomenal. I thought he had a really good season. This is one where I'm not going to break it down. Where I cut off guy one by one to leave it, uh, to leave one left like I just did with Freddie Freeman. Let's just go through all these guys and compare them because I think it's so close. So the White Sox had a 35 win uh, team. Jose Abreu led the league in uh, hits, RBIs, slugging, and total bases. So I think that's a pretty uh, phenomenal stat as well. And his war this season, I'm not a war guy, but I know you guys are. He had a war of 2.8, so that was very high as well. So let's see how that compares to a guy like DJ LeMayu, who this guy just... The batting champion King. He also led the league, uh, led the American League in multiple categories. He led the league in batting average 364, OBP 421, and OPS with 1011. He had 10 home runs. He only had three stolen bases, 27 ribbies. But this guy, he he's just a straight hitter. He's just a straight contact hitter, and he's great at getting on base. Then the Yankees finished second in the American League East with 33 wins. DJ LeMayu was the biggest reason for that. He's a stud as well, and his WAR was only about two. His war was 2.8 as well. So him and Jose Abreu tied in that department. And it's just so close between these two guys. So let's take a look at the third guy to see if he could be a tiebreaker in this scenario. And I don't, I don't think it's going to get any easier. Jose Ramirez, he led the league in runs scored. He had 17 home runs. He had 46 ribbies, batted 292, 386 OBP, and the 993 OPS. And the Indians finished with a record of what did it? 35 wins. They also finished 
tied with the White Sox for the best record in the Central. So Jose Ramirez did his work too. I mean, he had a phenomenal season. His war was 2.2, so a little bit lower than those other two. And for me, I, I think he's the third one of this bunch. I really think it comes down to DJ LeMayu and Jose Abreu, who two guys who had phenomenal seasons. If I had to pick one, I think I'm going to lead to lean toward Jose Abreu because of this. The White Sox had a, one of the best seasons in recent history. Yes, it was a 60-game season, but they still did. And I think his power just was a lot better than DJ LeMayu's. And he's still hitting for average 317. Now, granted, TJ LeMayu led in average in OBP, but Jose Abreu still getting on at 370 OBP. I like his power. Led the league in stolen bases. Run scored 43, 76 hits. I think he's just doing a little bit more because he actually had more hits in DJ LeMayu, even though he uh, even he actually had more hits than DJ LeMayu, even though he had a lower batting average, and that's because he played 10 more games, and if you're going to give me that kind of durability, you're going to give me 10 more games in a season, I think I have to give it to Jose Abreu because of that. He was healthy, he played all 60 games this season, and he was a stud in pretty much all of them, helping lead that White Sox team to 35 wins second in the American League Central. Jose Jose Abreu is going to be my MVP in the American League. I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman as my MVP in the National League. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone tuned in today. Come back tomorrow because it's the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Your team, every day. Oh my goodness, I can't talk today. Your team every day with the best Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Uh, come back tomorrow. Listen to yesterday's pod if you missed that. Follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24, at LockedOnDimebacks on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, it's voting day, so go out there and vote, y'all. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!